Welcome to day 115 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today finish the book of 2 Kings. We're reading 2 Kings chapters 23 through 25. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 23 continues the reforming kingship of Josiah. Like the greatest leaders of Israel before him, like Moses and Joshua, what makes Josiah's reforms so unique is that he unites the people together in covenantal response to the law. He's not only on a mission to undo the generations of idolatry and tear down all the places of idolatrous worship, but he's also trying to reunify the people in dedication to Yahweh. Notice that in verses 15 through 17, while Josiah is burning the bones of the false priests at Bethel, he leaves undisturbed the bones of the unnamed man of God who prophesied to Jeroboam way back in 1 Kings chapter 13 that Josiah would bring about these reforms, undoing the evil that Jeroboam committed. In verse 25, the kingship of Josiah is praised using the exact language of the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. Josiah returned to the Lord with all his heart, all his mind or being, and all his strength. Unfortunately, Josiah got caught in between the ongoing war between Egypt and Assyria and was killed by Pharaoh Necho. At Josiah's death, Judah lost the freedom that Assyria's decline had afforded them, and they came under the oppressive hands of Egypt, and then later Babylon. Josiah was likely killed by Necho in 609 BC, but soon after that, in 605, Necho was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar expelled Egypt from the territory and began invading Judah, bringing with him the last days of Judah. Josiah's son, Jehoahaz, became the 17th king of Judah, but ruled for only three months before becoming a prisoner of Pharaoh Necho. The Pharaoh made his brother Eliakim the 18th king and changed his name to Jehoiakim and forced this Judean king to pay tribute to him. Jehoiakim continued as a vassal king under Egypt for eight more years until Babylon took over. Just a quick note as you read these texts, the terms Chaldean and Babylonian are the same places and are used interchangeably. Chapter 24 opens with Jehoiakim deciding to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. This led to the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem beginning in 598 and with the death of Jehoiakim. His son, Jehoiakim, is made the 19th king of Judah, but he was taken away with many of the gifted leaders and young people of Jerusalem into exile in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar placed Jehoiakim in prison in Babylon and made Jehoiakim's uncle, Zedekiah, the 20th and last king of Judah in his place. Zedekiah's leadership under the strong thumb of Babylon lasted 11 years. Then chapter 25 opens with Zedekiah's decision to also try and rebel against Babylon. Not a good idea. And this leads to the final destruction of Jerusalem and the complete exile of the people of Judah in 587 or 586 BC. Scholars note that Nebuchadnezzar's raiding of the valuable vessels in the temple is the seventh and thus symbolically the final and complete such removal of the gold and silver mentioned in First and Second Kings. Zedekiah is captured, his sons killed in front of him, and then his eyes are gouged out. He's taken away into exile, along with all but just a few people left behind to tend the land. The book could easily end here as a sad saga of the rise and fall of Israel and Judah, but a three-verse epilogue that offers just a glimmer of hope is added to the ending. 
When Nebuchadnezzar's son, Awo Merodach, succeeded his father as ruler, he released King Jehoiakim from prison. The new Babylonian ruler not only treated him kindly, but let him eat at the king's table. Perhaps the line of David will not come to a complete end. Later, when we get to the book of Jonah, we'll think about it not just as a story of a prophet from Ephraim who's mentioned in this book that we just finished, Second Kings, but we'll think of it also as a kind of metaphor for Israel and Judah's history. Like Jonah, God's people had a prophetic call upon their life, but also like Jonah, they were disobedient and ran away from that call. Then like Jonah getting swallowed up by a great fish, Judah and God's people were swallowed up into Babylonian exile. Now, being swallowed up by a fish should be the end of Jonah's story, and being swallowed up into exile should be the end of the story of God's people, because when you're swallowed up by a fish, you get digested and become part of the fish, and when you get swallowed up into exile, you lose your identity and become absorbed into the nation that has taken you captive. However, the fish will not get the last word in Jonah's life, and exile will not get the last word in Judah's existence. But before we can get to that good news, we have to read First and Second Chronicles and encounter the stories that we've just read, but from a slightly different perspective. So we get started tomorrow. Our readings begin the journey through First and Second Chronicles with Chronicles chapters 1 through 3, and we're adding Psalm 49. I'll talk to you tomorrow.